0: Well, we have got a great treat this morning. Uh, you know, as uh, Pastor Matt and Julie, they've, uh, you see them regularly on the monthly uh, Mission Sunday bulletins, but it's great to have them in the house. They're our founding pastors, uh, part of the apostolic grace on, on their life, and we just want to welcome them. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Yes. I am just so blessed to be here this morning, and it just continually reminds me that no matter where you're from, what your stage of life is, what nationality you are, how old you are, that you have a family everywhere you go. I love that you can come from Iran and have a family. You can come from Africa and have a family, and then I can go to those countries and have a family. So I'm so grateful. In fact, I know that there's been many times that my daughter has been somewhere, and there's somebody there that will love her and come visit her and take care of her, no matter what continent she's on. And I'm sure you have experienced that same blessing. Did you know that the people in the world don't have that? We're so blessed as Christians to be able to have family everywhere we go. There's always somebody that will welcome you and take care of you and help you. That's part of being God's family. Amen? Amen. So I'm just so glad that we can come here and kiss you and hug you and say hello and that we can keep that life connection going. You know, we we are so encouraged when we see your faces when we come here in the morning. We're so encouraged to see that your life is continuing on for the Lord and that um, as you're seeking first His kingdom, that things are going well with you, Amen. Amen. So it's so good to be here, and I'm just um, I, I'm excited to see what God is doing in your lives. But uh, I'm going to turn it over because I know you'll want to hear my husband minister, um, my favorite, min- yeah, my favorite. So I know that they're excited. Enjoy this morning. Thank you for being such a blessing to our lives and continuing to do what God has called us to do here in Manchester. Amen. 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 Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you. So, let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We come in agreement with all the prayers that have already been prayed concerning this service, and we say, Father God, that we receive your best at this portion of the service, your very best, a word from you, Almighty God. That's what we're expecting. We thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, I've only been married twice in my life, and both times have been actually, what? You didn't know that? Both, both of the times I got married, they've been very successful.
0: And they continue
1: to be successful. <laughs> You're like, what are you talking about? Yeah, of course, we got married as a church, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: and I believe... <clears throat> Your relational choices and the things that uh, really matter in life really more than anything else have to do with relationships. And, that, and really that's kind of a little bit of a quick illustration of what I want to speak about this morning and that is I want to speak to you um, about supernatural relationships both individually and then also corporately. And I believe, I'm really believing there's a lot of things here that I want to share but Um, and I believe it's from the Lord to share these things, but I want to make sure that I'm sharing them in the timing and in the right way, and I thank you for agreeing with us along those lines. Um, So, supernatural relationships, three areas or three three kind of relationships that you need to be mindful of, of course, is God himself, your relationship with God himself. And there's three ways that I like to talk about our relationship with God. God ourself, our relationship with him, how did that happen? It happened through? coming into knowledge of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. So there's that introduction through the blood and through the reception of, I believe in Jesus. And then that's the sort of the coming together of that relationship. But then there is also the constant relational um, seal of the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all involved in that relationship. And, of course, that's something that is a continual thing that we're growing in. And, you know, the introduction does not mean that you have a relationship with the Father. Coming into the family does not equal friendship. And really, there's three ways I like to think about a relationship with the Father. And the number one way most people relate to God is through service. And that is the lowest way to relate to God. It's one of the primary and almost only ways they could relate to God under the Old Covenant... And so under the new covenant, though, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Well, it's interesting that even some people under the old covenant, they were able to break free of what was the norm and go beyond what was the norm in their relationship with God. And you see from the very beginning in the Garden of... And in fact, I would say, you know, in, in looking at God and his desire to have a relationship with you... And looking at, um, and if you want to know the will of God in any, any truth, there's two places I really like to look. Number one is in the garden before sin. Number two is Jesus himself and his life as he walked it out. Those are two areas. When you look at those areas, you can really see the way God thinks and who he is. And in the garden, the Bible says it was very common that, that, that um, God would fellowship or would come and be with. Uh, man, in the cool of the day. It was a common thing. And I can imagine what that relationship with God the Father might have been like. Let's fast forward a few hundred years and let's look at someone called Enoch. Enoch and God, it says, the Bible says of Enoch, that he walked with God. This is his testimony, that he walked with God and suddenly, poof, he is not, the Bible says. He walked with God and he was not. What does that mean? I have this imagination of Enoch and God, and God just likes Enoch so much. He enjoys this relationship, but because there's this old covenant curtain between God Himself and Enoch, I imagine God's like, listen, you know, just sort of buy credit, you know, like buy now, pay later, forever it's sort of like by credit that I've already back in the garden I'd spoken prophesied over the fact that there would be when Adam and Eve sinned there would be um, you know a seed that would come of this woman who would crush the head of the uh, Satan and would restore things back to its rightful place and because I've spoken that and because that exists and that will come to pass what I've spoken will come to pass I'm going to give you some, some opportunity to step into something that really you don't have a right to right now but because I love you so much and because I enjoy being with you so much i'm going to pull back this curtain and just be with you now enoch was not well he was no longer in this natural world but he was still he was with god so that's even under the old covenant of service we also see moses moses was referred to as of course one of the greatest prophets of all time and think about moses and then remember how aaron and miriam began to murmur against moses and I always like the way the King James Bible said, says this. It says they, they murmured against Moses because of his cushy wife. I mean, his cushite wife. <laughs> his cushy wife. And so, and, and so what happened was, is God then called Aaron and Miriam to the tent of meeting. And you know, when that happened, people were like, I mean, the ground would open up and people would disappear by their thousands sometimes. And so it was pretty serious. I can imagine all the children of Israel in their tents looking out and thinking, ooh, they're in trouble now, you know. And so Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. And remember that Aaron and Miriam were the older brother and sister of Moses. He's the young one of the family. So think about that. Not only has God called your brother to lead you, but he's actually your younger brother, some people really struggle with that. But anyway, so in that situation, so they, they were struggling. And, and in fact, they would even said, you know, we're prophet as well. Does God just speak through you alone and only you? They were having this problem with their spiritual leader, Moses, Pastor Mo. And like John Maxwell referred to him the first time I ever heard that as Pastor Mo. He was... In fact, and he is typical of a church and a pastor because the Bible says, Stephen in Acts chapter 7 says, that the, ch- the church in the wilderness. Yeah. So the, all of the children of Israel, and this, think about this, there's about 600,000 men of fighting age, so that doesn't count men that are older and men that are younger and boys and children. It doesn't count women and girl children and girls that are older and things like that. So the estimations are there were about 4 million people in that church. And Moses is the pastor of that church. Yeah. Think about that: 600,000 men just a fighting age, and how many more children, girls, women, et etc. So you know, several million people in that church, and he's the pastor, Pastor Mo, and his, his core leadership team is saying, "Does God just speak through you? They're having trouble with their leader." And so God didn't take to that too kindly. He calls them out to the tent of meeting. and I like what God said to this, says at this time. He says, "Now listen. To a prophet I speak in dreams and visions. But my servant, he had to call him servant, because in the old covenant, that was really the only status you could really have, is a servant relationship with God. New covenant, we're called friends. But look at Moses, even though he has to be called servant, he says, but my servant Moses is not that way. He says, to him, I speak to him in what? Face to face. In another passage, and says, as, and God would speak to Moses as he speaks to his friend. Face to face. So when God says, listen, listen to what this is saying. God is saying, I'm talking about three ways to relate to God. Service is the lowest way, but the primary way most Christians relate to God. I am a Christian because I go to church. Service. I am a Christian because I pray five times a day. Probably not five times a day. I'm, that was a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek. We we have you know we hear the call to prayer every morning. It reminds me to wake up and pray. <laughs> so five times a day. Um um I I I'm, I have a relationship with God because I you know I'm a, not only I don't just go to church but I actually I lead the worship or I play in the worship team or I'm over the children's ministry or I'm this or I'm that. So you're saying that your relationship with God is defined in a major way, by what you do for him, that service. And is the lowest way to relate to God. And I can show you that, in, in, uh, that actually you can even be a prophet of God. People think prophets or apostles or whatever must have some special relationship with God, but the relationship of a minister or a man or a woman of God that are called to the service of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, they are not connected. So you can be a prophet and not know him. Because the service, the calling, the Bible says, is not dependent on your, what you've done. It is a sovereign choice of God. God sets the members in the body as he pleases. So you can actually be, listen to this, according to the story of Aaron, Miriam, and Moses, that means you can actually be a prophet of God like Aaron and Miriam were and not know God. Or you can be in a situation like Moses was or like Enoch was where though the limitation on everybody, generally speaking, is is here's the lid in relationship with God. Under the old covenant, it was servant. And they actually broke through that lid and they put themselves in a place that was actually not even their right at that time. But looking forward to Jesus who was going to come, They, buy credit, like I said, buy now, pay later, they were able to get the benefit of what Jesus was about to pay before it ever was even really their right. And to me, what that tells me is, is God's desperately wanting us to break the lid on relationship. So service is the lowest way to relate to God, but then there's also, this is one might shock you a little bit, and, uh, and I think it's important to draw attention to. I'm still on number one out of three different relationships you want to look at. Number one is God himself. Number two is the church. Number three is the world. I don't know how much of this I'll get through. but So number one, we're talking about God himself. God himself, through the introduction of Jesus and his blood, and by calling and confessing the name of Jesus, we move from being in darkness, from being... Uh, separated from God, we move into the family of God, we're introduced to God, we become sons and daughters of God. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, through what Jesus provided, through His blood, etc. And we come into a relationship with God. So here's, just using a natural thing, so if we said service is the lowest way, but unfortunately the number one way most people relate to God, it's religion, Mm -hmm. service, Mm -hmm. service and religion, are connected together, works-based, not faith-based. Anytime you move from, I've got to do, I have to pay my tithes, instead of bring God his rightful property. I have to do this. You're moving from that place that you're in, us, all of us now, under the new covenant, John chapter 15, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. So all of us should be primarily relating to God through Friendship. But Okay, so service is the lowest way, but in my experience, looking at the church, the primary way most people relate to God. Then the next highest way, I would say, because the reason I say that about service is that would include people that aren't even born again. Mm. But but I'm, I'm primarily trying to talk about us as believers then, even believers. But then moving on to the next way people relate to God is as a child of God. And that's a very powerful way, of course, sons and daughters of God. That's incredible, and sonship, is, it comes with all the rights of sonship. But remember in the Bible the parable of the, um, the, uh, 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 the, the what do you call it, the, the prodigal son, the prodigal son. So he had the right the whole time, the, oh, the elder, remember the two sons, the prodigal son went off, he spent, he asked for his inheritance, he went and spent it all, and then the elder son, the father's like, Uh, You know, he's all disappointed that why would you bring back this, this, you know, the younger son, the prodigal son? Why would you bring him back and receive him and and then kill the fatted calf and have a party for him? Why would you ever do that? We're talking about sonship here. And he's, and and the father turns to him and says, Isn't everything I have yours anyway? So, as a son, you have all kinds of rights, you have all kinds of privileges. You can choose to be like a prodigal son, or you can choose to be like. Uh, the elder son, or he can choose to be a good son that understands their benefits. But sonship. So here's, here's another illustration to draw a parallel on that is this. In the day we live, it's a very unfortunate um, reality of our culture is how many of us know people or personally are involved with situations in our own families where we are related to a dad but don't know the dad? So here's the the sort of crucial point is, is that you can be related by DNA and blood and everything else. You can be born again. You can be a son or a daughter of God the Father and not have relationship. Relationship and being related are not absolutely connected together. You're introduced through being a part of the family, but then as a matter of relationship, it's something that goes past that. And uh, then this comes back to, I remember one time when Jonathan was just very, very little. And, and you know, I'm just, I'm just enjoying being with my son so much. You know, there is that relationship that you have as a part of it. He's my child, and, and it's just that special relationship. And, and I'm just enjoying that relationship with him. And, and I, said, I said, isn't it cool we can be friends? And he looked at me with a confused look on his face. And he said, not friends. You're my dad. <laughs> you know, so... So, and I think that's almost the way some people look at God, is you're, you're, not, you're not my friend. How can I ever be friends with God? I know you're God, and I know you're my father, God, and, and, but that's where the relationship stops. But actually, just like Moses tapped into something, and Enoch tapped into something before they ever could have, really, as sort of by credit, And what would happen through Jesus and the price that Jesus was going to pay? Now that we look back to what Jesus has done, it is our right. But many of us are living lower than our right. Right for what? Sonship? Inheritance? Absolutely. But it doesn't stop there. It goes to another higher place. The higher place is friendship. And I remember, and uh, you know, the the song Friend of God, did we hear that song a lot? Mm -hmm. And it's a great song. But I remember one particular preacher, a faith preacher, and that's what I am, so I'm not talking disparagingly of faith preachers, but someone that came from my same background, he would get really upset at that song. He's like, no, we're not just, we're not just friends, we're sons, and sons have covenant and all those rights. Yes, but he's not seeing it in the same way that, really, Jesus sees it. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. Jesus said, I call you friends. So what he's done is he has bestowed on all of us the calling of, I call you my friend. But we all know that friendship is a reciprocal relationship, and friendship takes time. So all the things that make a good friendship is, are open to us in our relationship with Jesus. So three ways. That's the first one. In other words, relationships and in relationships, supernatural relationships, God is, of course, the primary supernatural relationship that we should be interested in. I like what the Apostle Paul said. He said, and I remember, he says this in Philippians chapter 1. He says, I, I'm in a strait betwixt two. I'm using King James because I have it more memorized. I'm in a, in a choice between two, two options. To depart and be with Christ, which is far better or to stay around and hang out with you guys that he was writing to, the church of Philippi. He says, which is more needful for you? He's like, I have a choice. Then he says about departing and be with Christ, remember he says, which is far better. In other words, I, I see Paul, this is the book of Philippi, one of the last things he's communicating to the church. He's in the last season of his life. He says in that book, I've finished my race. I'm in this position where I feel like I've finished what I was called to do, and I don't know if I should just go and be with him, which is a lot better, or stay with you guys. And then after that, it's chapter 1. And then the heartbeat of Paul in chapter 3 is, he cries out, he says, all the old things are, are I count as, as dung, I count as waste, he says, but now I press towards something. Towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Christ, uh, God in Christ Jesus. And he says, he says like, it's just a small phrase, but he says, that I may know him. Yeah, yeah. And to me, that's like one of the hallmarks. I think here's someone that was caught up to the third heaven and saw things that's hard for him to talk about. This is someone that God used to write two-thirds of the New Testament. I think he probably knew God a little bit. <laughs> Think about all the things, and yet, in his end of his life, not at the beginning of his race, but at the end of his life, his passion is still all about, that was primary purpose, that I might know him, just, and the power of his resurrection. We tend to seek after the power, heal me, provide for me, take care of me, deliver me, and yet, Paul was all about, I want to know him. And you look at it, and see what his prayers were. I pray for the church at Ephesus, what? that they might be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and if you have wrong knowledge as in relational knowledge of God then you're going to have wrong corresponding actions so I mean we can continue to talk about that one a lot there's a, so much to say on that but really where I want to get to this week and next week is more along the lines of the second one and that is relationships that have to do with his church so God himself his church and then his world or the world as such I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the world, but God does talk to us about the fact that He has certain desires of us as His church, as believers. He has a desire for us to, you know, um, to not um, to not be um, to be in the world, but not to be of the world. To influence the world for Him. There's a lot of things that God says. I, you know, I send you. As I have sent the disciples, I send you also. How do you send them? He sent them into all the world. So the world is, is, is one of those supernatural relationships that we also have to be careful of because sometimes the world and our relationship, and I'm supernatural, I'm speaking now, in the negative sense of supernatural, the enemy can use the world system and the world relationships and worldly things to pull us away from God's things. Okay, so, but I really want to emphasize on this, this sort of middle one, and that is... His church, the church, supernatural relationships, the church. And uh, let me just go ahead and read this. It says, this is especially defined by your spiritual leadership. What does that mean? It means that in my experience, I have noticed that God will speak to us about where to go to church, where to connect with, and the spiritual leadership of that church will have God-given mandates. Those God-given mandates, when He calls you to connect with that church, it's because there's something inside of you that is necessary to see those to see your purpose fulfilled. Let me let me kind of back up a little bit, okay? God's pretty smart, right? Can we all agree God's pretty smart? And like, would you want to play chess with God and think that you can win? God can see the whole chessboard, and and he and he thinks like a billion thoughts. You know, in the moment that you're trying to think about whether you want to move the pawn or the queen, I mean, he's, he's already, you know, thought of every way he can completely just ravish the chessboard ahead of time. He can see the whole thing. They say good chess, board, chess players can see the whole board all the time. And that's why I'm probably not a very good chess player. It seems like I only see my players. So, but think about God. He's pretty brilliant. So if he calls you to a church, there's probably a reason for it, right? And it's not something that is at contrary to your plans and purposes, the plans and purposes he has for your life. So to me, it just totally makes a lot of sense that if God has called you to, we're talking about first relationship, supernatural relationship, him, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, yes. But then there is also a very important part of supernatural relationships that has to do with his church. And by his church, that has a lot of dynamics. His church, as in the church, local church that God has called you to, and when he calls you to a local church, there is spiritual leadership there. The spiritual leadership have a mandate from God. If he's called you to come to that particular local church, there's something on the inside of you that needs to come out of you and come to bear on the vision of the house. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And so the spiritual leadership are there not to do the ministry, Not to do the mandate, but they're there to help you recognize, help you mature in, and help you be separated into what is the supply that you are God-given that is necessary for the vision of the house. So if God's called you to this place, World Harvest Bible Church, there's something on the inside of you that needs to come out of you and come to bear on the vision of the house. And the goal, the, the, the responsibilities of the spiritual leaders, not only Pastors Alan and Claire, but every person in leadership of this church at any level, the goal is you should be in your mind thinking, a part of my responsibility in leadership of the church in any department is to help other people discover why God's brought them here. Yeah. Help other people mature and be discipled in those things, both in their relationship, that first one, the supernatural relationship with God himself, but then also mature in why it is that God's brought them here to help them release that supply on the vision of the house. The more that happens in any place, the more you understand it yourself and you allow them, because that is a big part of spiritual leaders. I've noticed over the years, there's times I've wanted to speak something in someone's life. I could see something that needed to change, but I knew I didn't have the right or permission to be able to speak that into their life. And because I didn't have the permission to speak into their life, I didn't do it. You say, but why didn't you do it? You should have just did it. No, the Bible says very clearly, don't put your pearls before swine. Yeah. And even though the Bible calls Christians lambs, sometimes we look a little more like hogs. <laughs> or act like it anyway. <laughs> and so you can imagine a lamb in a, you know in a zipped up you know oinker suit, a, a pig suit. And sometimes that's the way we are. We're a little hard-headed and hard-hearted sometimes. But think about this. if God has connected you. And what I've noticed is this, is that it's, and this is very important for you to know as well, it is not the spiritual, the, the, the limits of the spiritual leadership are also just as real as the responsibilities of the spiritual leadership. And the limits on spiritual leadership is this, is that they can't tell you what to do. They can't tell you where to go to church. That's a hard thing. That's, that comes out of that first supernatural relationship between you and him. As you become friends with him, he communes with you, and you commune with him, and, and he speaks to you about where to go. But once you come to a place, he knows the spiritual leaders are there, and he has set those spiritual leaders in the body as it pleases him. And as such, there's something in them that is, especially as we recognize it and as we learn how to become better at it, and it is a process that, unfortunately, hasn't even been modeled very well in the church. What do I mean by that? I mean this, that it's hard for spiritual leaders to know what their job description is if they've never seen someone else do it well. What is the typical thought pattern of the church world is we pay the pastor, the pastor does the ministry. That's the model that the church world has bought into, and that's actually a part of why the church has suffered in many ways, and why we have burnout among spiritual leaders. Is because the pastor's not meant to do that. That would mean he's coming out of his position. What do you mean by that? His position, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, the spiritual leaders in the body of Christ are, God is set in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, for what? for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. So the saints, the church, are meant to do the work of the ministry. They're there to equip. So if they get out of position and start doing the work, they're down here working, they're out of position, then they get burnt out because of two reasons. One is they're doing something they're not supposed to do, so they're frustrating the grace on their life. And then the other reason they get burnt out is because it's really hard to do more than this job over here well and this job at the same time. But if, if, if as we learn, and, and that's been the model, that has been the primary model that we've seen. And so as Christians, we come into a church and we say, you know, feed me, feed me, feed me, that kind of thing. I'll pay my dues and then I go and I do what I'm supposed to do. But obviously in churches like this where we've been better taught, we understand that's not the case. And I know I'm reminding us of some of these things, not introducing these thoughts. And that is we know and we understand. But the point is, it's not something that comes natural because we've not seen it modeled very well. It wasn't like even taught to me at Bible school. You know what was taught to me at Bible school was? is how do you spell ministry? W-O-R-K. And the reason they, they tried to drum that into me, W-O-R-K meant that I'm supposed, to, you know, uh, I'm supposed to build the church as in physically plaster, as in physically do the lights, as physically do all that, set up the chairs, all those kind of things, then set up the worship, lead the worship, Receive the offering and then give in the offering, and then you know do every and also prepare for the service here and do all that stuff. That was why because they were trying to get us to not think that we're going to be like the next Kenneth Copeland or Billy Graham or something like that. They were trying to tell us, look, get the stars out of your eyes. The reality of life and ministry is, is it's hard work, and the Bible says the work of the ministry. So the Bible relates those things together. Separated to me, Paul and Barnabas for the work we're unto. I've called them. God calls ministry work. That is a very good thing for them to say to young people that are looking at the TV ministries and thinking, I want to be like that. So, however, it left a bad impression for me as to what the true spiritual leadership job description is. It was modeled in a way which maybe wasn't as healthy as it needs to be. So even in places where we teach it well, we still have struggled to see it well. And so we replicate what we know, don't we? Just like we do as parents. So it, it's hard for us to break free personally of some of these things, and then also it just takes, it just takes time. For me, myself, I know that it's, it's, uh, it's been a struggle sometimes. This especially, talking about the church, this especially is defined by the spiritual leaders and, which, and the mandate which God has called you to partner or koinonia with. And that relates to the church body or the household of faith or the family of faith. God uses all those terminologies, the church, local church, the household, the family, all those, that's a local church, as well as the church. So we're talking about supernatural relationships, the church. There's a lot that the Bible says about these different relationships. Sometimes we forget that the church down the road isn't our competition but rather, they're covenant brothers and sisters as well. When We're talking about the church. The church. And I believe what God is doing in these last days is he is bringing together more and more of those relationships in the church to produce the end goals that he wants. Um, okay, I'm going to finish with this thought because I've kind of touched on it a couple times this morning and I believe it must be something that the Lord wants us to, to, to emphasize. Um, so when I know... When I know God has called me to a church, I, um, one of the things I, I can do is I can pray and ask God to show me in clarity what is the mandate on the ministry that the spiritual leaders are called to carry. And it can be a supernatural thing, not just a natural thing. Sometimes I think we put a lot of weight and responsibility on the leadership to communicate the vision, mission, values, those things. But I believe it goes, it's, it's better if you can get it in a spiritual way. By revelation. What is it? What is it? And also, not only that, but also revelation of the um, the characteristics of the spiritual leaders. And then also, revelation of how to best respond to those spiritual leaders, because different leaders are different. So I, I'll give you... Unfortunately, it's kind of a negative example, but it's one of the best ones I can communicate this is... Um, so I don't know if... Uh, of um Moses Aaron and Miriam I don't know if that was probably not the first time they talked about his wife but I've been in situations and I've been because my wife is so wonderful I've been the opposite of this I've heard people say to me I would never come to your church except for your wife (laughs) you know (laughs) well thanks (laughs) yeah I'm serious I've had people actually say that to me and I'm like well I'm glad she's my wife then because I think it's good that you're here (laughs) but um I've heard it in other churches. I've heard it the other way around. In fact, it becomes, you know, especially very charismatic male pastor leaders. I've seen it a lot. Where maybe that pastor's wife's not called to actually be very much visible in the ministry or they don't have the characteristics of the last pastor's wife or something like that. So I've seen that where it can be a real challenge. Um, and if we're not careful, we end up falling into, into traps like Aaron and Miriam where we talk about things we have no business talking about. And God even said, why weren't you afraid? Talk about these things. Now that's talking about something that's like, well, maybe I'd, and, and, and that was actually more of a racial thing than anything. Cushite, meaning she was not of the right tribe. She wasn't of the right class. She wasn't the right people. I've seen that happen both on the, on the husband side and on the female side, but think about that. And yet God was pretty, pretty serious about that. Usually, the things that we um, have challenges with have nothing to do with the important things. The really important things. The style of the person, the characteristics of the person, the mannerisms of the person. That's all just stuff. Well, I've I've had personally that challenge with even my own pastor. I call Pastor Hagan my own pastor. First of all, he's Texan, which means that no one other than Texan can relate to him. It's just a the reality. They just the Texans think different from the entire universe. And even Americans can't think like Texans can, and so and then also because he comes from a different generation than me, he thinks different than me. His style is different than I actually appreciate. Um, what he likes is country music. Country music makes me cringe. You know, so there's different different styles and things like that. But um, and and it may it may not even be his his uh, communication delivery may not be the one that I receive from the most. But I know God has aligned me with him as my spiritual leader. So none of that matters. And so as a part of my covenant relationship with him, there's certain things I know about him that, is, that, that would cause him uh, to struggle emotionally. And one of our things that we talk about a lot is, is, how would Pastor Hagen think about that? I don't want to do anything that contributes to his emotional anguish. You know, pastors go through a lot of challenges with emotions. They, oh, that person said this, that person said this, that person said this. And all those emotions attack, you know, attack them all the time. And so I don't want to be one of those to the guy that I'm supposed to be supporting and helping to fulfill his mandate. I want to be the one that when he sees me, he celebrates me, he doesn't run from me. And I'm using myself in this example, but maybe you need to think about yourself and how that relates to more of a local setting. So I'll give you an example of something that I don't do, that I would love to do, but I don't do. We have friends that have pioneered and started churches in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Pastor Hagen pastors a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And people from his church have gone from his church to that other church. So because of that, even though they're good friends, even though they would love for me to come and visit their church, they've invited me on regular times I told them ahead of time, even beforehand. I said, if you do this, just so you know, I will love you. I will go to coffee with you. I'll go out to eat with you. I'll come to your house, but I can't come to your church. And the reason is, is because I want to protect the emotional well-being and health of my spiritual leader. So what happens is, I go to that church, and there's someone. It word spreads through the church community so fast, doesn't it? Someone sees me there, and then you know, within hours. They're talking to Pastor Hagen. Did you know Matt Beamer was at that church? And then he doesn't know why I'm there. He doesn't know if I'm there because they have a guest minister. There's been guest ministers I would have loved to have gone and attend. But I won't go there because I'm protecting his emotional health and well-being. So what does that mean? It means that that when I I know where God is connected, the supernatural uh, relationships that God has connected me with, it has nothing to do with whether I... You know, I would never go on vacation with Pastor Hagen. It would, that would be the worst thing I could ever do. You know, go on holiday with him. Us in a caravan and then... Uh, yeah, just take me home, Jesus. Yeah. So I mean, it would be horrible. But, uh, but I don't have to have that relationship with him to know that he's my spiritual leader. Here's the other thing about that is is Pastor Hagen and I up until maybe the last five years, we hardly ever talked. Almost never talked. He's got thousands of people to relate to. I did not make it where I can only be connected to your grace because we have a relationship. Had nothing to do with that. what What I'm encouraging us to do is to think differently about our spiritual relationships. Protect our spiritual relationship. What would love doing these things? I know I need to finish this morning, but what I want to do is I, I want to challenge us this way. We'll dig a little better and a little deeper into this next week. Um, next week is also Communion Sunday. And I want you to be thinking about your relationships both inside the church and outside the church. I want you to be thinking about your relationships with your family members. I want you to be thinking about your relationships you know, with believers especially, um, people in the church, your spiritual leaders here. I want you to be thinking about those relationships throughout this week as you prepare to receive communion next week because communion has a lot to do with um, an opportunity on a regular basis for us to judge ourselves in re- in relationship to our spiritual relationships, yes. both inside and outside the church. Mm-hmm. So, just a little exhortation there. Let me let me pray. Praise God. All right. Do you know, in just that
0: whole challenge of the coenonia, uh, that that fellowship. If you're not part of a life group, you need to get in connected with a life group. If you're uh, not part of a, a, a small group. They're, they're going to start soon. And if you want to lead a small group, you need to see Keywall. Pastor Keywall is uh, over, and Joy, they're over the small groups. So just for a reminder, that's going to start real soon. In, in, in May, we're going to start the next sort of small groups.